Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. It's a way to be with them. How many find it difficult to bless someone that you don't know? <laughs> Everybody does. I have a difficult time doing that. We get that. I understand it's difficult to to give to the poor. Uh, it's difficult to just bless someone. I live on, 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 in Portage, and, and so there's a there's a thing in Portage. This this is this is the Portage way. This is this is the in, intimacy level of our neighbors. I'm absolutely serious. We've been on the street for almost 20 years, right? And at first, we got to know four or five uh, of the neighbors, and actually went over a couple of their houses. But people move. You know, and and every just about everyone that we've gotten to know, have moved. There's a couple that are long term, but you know, there's just this there's this blockade. Uh, even though we live just across the street, everybody has privacy fences, <laughs> so it's difficult. But this is going to give us a way to walk up to somebody that we don't know, and it feels you know, embrace the awkward, uh, and say, hey, you know, if you give somebody a bag of groceries, they're going to say thank you. It's not because they're poor and you're written on. You didn't give it to them. We are giving it to them. And this is where it's an opportunity for all three campuses. We need to raise $36,000. And so um, we're going to pool that money, give away 200 bags down here. That was originally the idea because we can hit every house in the village of Vandalia. And that's a doable goal. But we're also going to do 50 bags at Nichols and 30 bags at uh, uh, Vine. And then also uh, raise... Uh, $30,000 to give to the, the mission work in Mexico and Kenya. And just an update on this, <clears throat> um, uh, Josh Muse, with, if you were here a few weeks ago, I showed a little video of him explaining it. He's a, a young man, I, I, at maybe 30, he's, he, they just had their first child, but there's just an anointing on this guy. There's a, there's an, everything he does goes faster. And so the original plan was we were going to raise money and they were going to build a building. And, you know, it takes a while to build a building, probably especially in Mexico. Um, but, and, and we agreed to that a few months ago. And then he called me just a couple of, a, a few weeks ago and said, you know what? Um, we found a building that perfectly meets our needs. It's already built. Uh, and it's only $25,000. He said, but I, you've committed to raising money to build a building. He asked my permission. I was like... Josh, yeah, if it meets your needs, it's in the same region, go for it, man. Absolutely. Uh, he says, great, okay, great. <clears throat> then he called me just uh, just over a week ago. I think it was uh, a week ago Friday. And he says, Cameron, um, I know this may sound weird, but um, this building is available. And you mentioned that you've raised almost a, a third of, of the goal. He says, if we had that money, the $10,000, we could go and put the money down on the building, securing it, and actually gaining occupancy. All right. Uh, and, and, and he said, "Would you would you consider doing that?" I said, "Absolutely, Josh." <clears throat> so, <laughs> so crazy. A week ago, we bought a building in Mexico. <laughs> and so, as far as I know, by this time we, they already have occupancy because he was. We wired the money down there. And, uh, um, and he was going to go the next day to the owner and, and give him the $10,000 down payment with uh, the rest of the money pending. And so when Mark and I go in the first week of March, 
Uh, we're not going to just go to, to teach a, a, a class uh, um, for, for new believers and then do a three-day school for pastors in a, in a nearby city, but we're going to dedicate this building. Come on. Is that good? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about it. And I'm believing that the full uh, uh, 30, what was it? 35,000? 36,000 dollars is going to come in so that we can not only dedicate the building, but pay it off. You know? I'm excited about that. And then uh, in the following weeks, we'll distribute all these groceries locally. And uh, it's just a way to, um, to bless our neighbors, bless the nation, and then also to work together with the three campuses to accomplish something that we can't do on our own. You know, and so that's a big part of what church is. It's for you as an individual joining with the congregation to become what you couldn't do on your own, but then as congregations linked together, we can accomplish uh, bigger and greater things than what we could do on our own. All right, one other little, uh, uh, just a little tidbit, if you notice, we were supposed to have a guest speaker, but they, they were not able to come. And so you get me instead. <clears throat> Hallelujah. But um, uh, we had to rearrange everything yesterday because the guest speakers were supposed to do the whole, whole, whole day yesterday. And I found out on noon uh, uh, Friday that they weren't coming. <laughs> and so we, we had a great time, though, yesterday. Uh, I had a great time. It was a, a blessing. And um, Anthony actually wrote these notes and wrote the sermon. <clears throat> and so I, I, this is the second time you get to hear me preach a sermon that I didn't write. And it's the only second time in my life that I've ever done it. And so a while back, Mark had done an outline, and I, ta I taught from it. And now you get to hear me do one of Anthony's. So I know I don't have quite the beard Anthony has. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see how we can go. And this really works into the inward journey. I actually uh, like this teaching uh, uh, a lot because a lot of what we teach in church, and, and I actually acknowledge this as a weakness, is I teach a lot of the what like what God requires, what it means to be a Christian, what the Bible teaches, and the why, you know, why we should live this way, why we should respond, why God did what he did, why we need to do what we should do. But I, I have a hard time getting to the how. And I've had people come to me and say, you know, we get the what and the why, but how do we actually make it? How do we actually implement it? And this is really uh, a message about the how how to implement a very important aspect in the inward journey, really in all three of the journeys, our year of uh, focusing on spiritual growth, uh, inward journey of, of, of discipleship, spiritual um, growth, and um, sanctification, that's the word I'm looking for, becoming more Christ-like <clears throat> inwardly, the upward journey of getting to know God um, uh, better, and we're going to talk about that in the middle of the year, and the outward journey, and that's part of reaching out to our neighbors, and we have lots of plans in place to uh, create opportunities for us to, to reach our communities for Christ. But this is going to give a how. Uh, so this is a, uh, an image, a picture. How many can, can make out? What, what scene from the Bible do you think that is? Is that Jesus walking in the water? Mary and Martha, very good. <laughs> so let's read it. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed, her, uh, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. 
But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went, uh, she went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care? Jeez. Don't you even give a rip that my sister, you think maybe this was the first time she felt this way? <laughs> They've been sisters a long time. <laughs> don't, don't you even care that my sister has left me to do all the work and serve alone? Um, uh, tell her then to help me. That's <laughs> just like, Mom, tell so. <laughs> but the Lord answered her, uh, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Uh, and so <clears throat> there's a great contrast there. And the idea is taking time to listen and taking time to encounter. And it's absolutely essential. You know, if you want to go on a journey, uh, you got to set aside time. Uh, George, you just came back. You guys just came back from uh, Mexico. Did you take some time to do it? Yeah. And you planned ahead. I remember you looking forward to it. We're going to be in Mexico, right? And so you created space in your calendar for going to Mexico. Are you happy you went? Uh, do you wish you were still there? <laughs> do we wish we could have gone with them? Yeah. Amen. Let's do it. So let's raise money and go on a group vacation. No. <laughs> so Martha invited Jesus in, but then he, she ignored him. No. Isn't that the, a parable of a lot of people, Christian walk? They invite Jesus into their hearts. And now that he's in their hearts, and they just get busy. You know, and this is a picture of what happens. Uh, <clears throat> she has no time for Jesus uh, because of her serving, because of her work, because she's got to get this done, and that done, and that done. Um, and uh, uh, there's a contrast here between serving and teaching. And there are two separate words in the Greek. Um, and Anthony is going to seminary, so he likes to talk about Greek words. <laughs> uh, but these, are, these are a couple of words you should know. This is uh, Greek words every Christian should become familiar with. Uh, diakonai, uh, diakonai <coughs> uh, you pronounce that. Uh, ministry or service is, is what that means, and it's actually the word from which we get deacon. Okay, and so... Uh, <coughs> I think it's all a transliteration when they take a word from another language and just, uh, we don't quite have a word in English that means that, so they just pop it into the English language. Baptism is another one of those words. Um, uh, a diaconus is, is a Greek word, and they just started, and they just started using it in English. <clears throat> English is made up of a lot of words from other languages, which is one of the reasons it's so difficult to learn. But um, <clears throat> so deacon, we're familiar with that term, especially if you grew up in a more traditional church. We don't use that term in our church, but it's it's basically people who get work done. Uh, it's servants. It's people who are responsible for different areas of the church ministry. And so it's a good word. You know, it's used in a good sense throughout the Bible. But here it's used. That was the word that was describing what Mary was was distracted by. Much serving. Much you know, she was deaconing. Um, but she was actually ignoring Jesus with the idea that she was serving Jesus. 
oops, <laughs> teaching, um, and Jesus was teaching, uh, uh, and, 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 and Mary was listening to her, um, and so here, and that is the, uh, the word logos, all right, uh, and it means, um, you know, this is the message, this is the meaning, but it also refers to, in the beginning was the Word in John 1, and the Word was God, uh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became, later it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so this is, the Word is not only as depicted in the Bible, but it's the person of Jesus, and it's what Jesus was saying. And so Jesus was speaking the word. He was the word, speaking the word. He's actively ch teaching. He wasn't just chatting. He wasn't setting back, saying, hey, Mary, you know, you know, did you see the game? <laughs> you know, yeah. He was teaching, and Mary was soaking it up. But Martha was just oh, busy doing something or another. Uh, and Martha was being robbed of the logos, the, the word of life, by doing something that was really good, but not at the appropriate time. So that was the first story <clears throat> in which we see that uh, Martha got distracted by something good and missed out on the better. And Mary was the example of someone uh, listening and receiving the living Word of God um, and uh, not being distracted by other things. And we need to do this in our lives. We need to acknowledge, hey, this is time to tune in. And it takes Time. It takes time to listen uh, and to hear. And, 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 and yes, it's good to serve. Jesus demonstrated that his whole life. And, it's, and, 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 and the Bible and the Word of God will teach us to do that. But if we don't get the listening first, if we're not hearing the Word of the Lord and creating time for that, our service can actually become a distraction. And service is not only just doing stuff in church. It can be your work, you're meeting the needs of your family. It's just busyness, right? And so, next next story is <clears throat> the apostles returned to, to Jesus and told him all that they had done. This is after um, he had sent out his uh, his, his uh, disciples to do ministry and they cast out demons and they just had a had revival. It was a great time and they came back. They were all excited. Um, and he said to them, "Come away by yourself." to a desolate place and rest for a while. Go on a vacation. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Okay? They didn't even have time to eat. They were caught up in the excitement and the, the, the stirring of what God was doing uh, to the point where they didn't have time. I've been in meetings. I've just gone for hours and hours and hours and you know, you just like, oh wow, we'll grab something on the way home. <clears throat> you know, and and you know that's great. It's passionate. It, it was a great thing. Jesus was celebrating that they had sent out and they'd done a good work, but then acknowledging um, that they needed something else. They needed to add to that. So then they went away in the boat. So Jesus said, "All right, <clears throat> uh, uh, come away by yourself." And they 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 did it. They went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. <clears throat> and immediately, Jesus, uh, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to the Satan. And when he dismissed the crowd, I kind of like that. I would love to see what that looked like. All right? This is one of the little, little tidbits in Scripture that catches my attention. What did it look like that Jesus dismissed the crowd? 
you know. Okay, you can all go now. I mean, there was probably thousands. And he sent his disciples away. He says, I'll take care of the crowd. You guys just go ahead. This is really his servant heart uh, example of Jesus saying, I'll take care of the details here. Uh, you guys have served well. Um, so he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up in the mountain to pray. So then he went all by himself. Jesus demonstrates this personally, as well as demonstrating it, uh, commanding his disciples to practice it. He went up on the mountain to pray, and when the evening had come, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. <clears throat> all right? So he took time to be refreshed, and he told his disciples to take time to go be alone. Hey, guys, go get in the boat. You're all fishermen. Go hang out. Spend some time. Go fishing. Uh, get away. And then he gets rid of the crowd, and then he gets away. Uh, personal time. Everybody needs a break. And there's this, this uh, sometimes uh, an inappropriate assumption on Christians and believers because of the need, right? Because of the if you if you get an awareness of the importance of the message of the gospel, you're like, wow, we need to restore, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. But sometimes you just need to take a rest, and that is because God built it into the cycle of creation. Even God took a rest, and He made it a perpetual command to take a Sabbath. One day a week, chill, relax. Uh, and Jesus practiced this. Jesus had limited time to train his disciples, and downtime was still factored in. Jesus knew that he only had a certain amount of time to impart to his disciples everything that he needed to, to demonstrate to them, model to them, teach them, and then he was going to be crucified. That's why he came. He came to die. He knew there was a time limit on it. But even then... Even, because, even within those constraints, he factored in time for vacation. <clears throat> I'm just feeling, Kathy, a real vacation anointing coming right now. Right. <laughs> oh, we're going on vacation next week. Yeah, next weekend. Is it this coming weekend? Is it? No. Yeah, so we're just sneaking out of town. But we'll show up on church on Sunday so everybody thinks we work the whole week. <laughs> As they think pastors only work on Sunday anyway. <laughs> Actually, Sunday morning I consider volunteering. Um, what I do on Sunday morning, I'm, uh, I work, uh, got to confess about it, many hours throughout the week. The majority of what I do, you'd be surprised, uh, uh, probably 90% to 95% of a pastor's job uh, is administration, leadership, uh, helping people figure out things, <clears throat> a lot of administration budgeting, uh, uh, lawyers, legal stuff, crazy. Um, so uh, what was I getting to? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I need a vacation. Knowing when to take time to rest is part of spiritual maturity. It's part of the inward journey. Knowing when it's time. And Jesus knew, hey, these guys are stressed out. They need a vacation. All right? And in fact, I need, Jesus said, I need to get away. And, and that's a big part of the message of Christ, the message of the Bible. It's from the beginning to the end. Uh, it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. We see this as part of the character of God. And, and in our communication of what it means to be a Christian, in our evangelization, in our 
in our uh, helping people that don't know Jesus and don't know the way of God, we need to also communicate, not just that they need to repent of their sin, but that, hey, God loves you and has provided by creation, you know, and a beautiful, wonderful world that this is part of God's heart that there's, that we are to take time. And, and that is part of the message of the gospel. It's part of the good news. You know, it's not bad news. It's good news. All right. Third story is the story. How many can figure this one out? The Good Samaritan. All right. Story time. So a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came down, uh, uh, so there's a difference between priest and Levite, so they're both part of the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, but the priests were like the highest, they were descendants of Aaron. Uh, and so they were like the highest uh, level of anointing and importance. And then the Levites cared for the temple and the tabernacle and the things of God. And so they were also teachers and scribes. <clears throat> when he came by to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, <clears throat> as he journeyed, the Samaritans, you probably are aware, were the foreigners. Okay? They were the people that were despised, they spoke a different dialect. Uh, Jewish people were not even permitted to talk to them, let alone touch them, or God forbid, go to their house and have dinner. Yeah, they, they, their worship, uh, I can tell you the whole history of it, but because of their history and, and uh, wars and uh, mixed marriages, uh, they worshiped differently. They, were, they actually shared some of the lineage of Abraham, but it had gotten diluted and, and the language has changed. And so these were like, these were the, uh, uh, the outsiders. <clears throat> these were the immigrants. <laughs> Technically, actually, they were the people that stayed and the Jews were taken away and then came back. Uh, and so the Samaritans are the ones that had lived uh, you can read all history somewhere else. <clears throat> but they were the different people. They were the outsiders. They were the unclean people. Right? But they were just part of the community. And here we have, how many found, you know, there are some non-Christian people that are really good people. Yeah. You know? And this is, this is an example. This is someone that is not of the same faith, but actually demonstrated a greater level of faith a greater level of obedience, a greater level of compassion. A Samaritan, as he was journeying on the same road, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And as we know, that he... Uh, he gave money to the innkeeper and said, hey, take care of him, and I'll come back. Next time I come by, if there's any other expenses, I'll cover it. 
Now, we don't know his motivation, but we know that he took the time to be used by God. And this is the outward journey. Uh, he took the time to be used by God. Many times the story is used to portray the priest and the Levite as being cold or uncaring or uncompassionate, right? Uh, and, but it doesn't actually say that in Scripture. We don't know why uh, the priest and the Levite passed by. It doesn't say. It just said they did, right? Yeah, they would have been unclean. Uh, <laughs> oh man, if I stop, I'm a priest. I'm going to the the, the, uh, the temple. I got to perform services. If I stop and and take care of this guy, I can't do what I'm called to do. Sorry, you know. <clears throat> um, the parable hinges on compassion. The, the focus of this story is the compassion. All right compassion and uh, it's a feeling of sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate their suffering so it's a feeling that's a noun right compassion and you know what the priest might have went oh man that's a bummer poor guy he was driving. He wasn't driving. He was, he was probably walking. <laughs> oh man! Oh, sorry, dude. I'm dude. Sorry, man. I got, sorry, man. I feel for you, really. You know? We don't know. We got the the temple, and yeah, I probably should have stopped. Oh well. Get busy. Uh, we don't know if the Levite had compassion. But we do know that he didn't stop. He didn't take time. Uh, time to be used. The Samaritan had compassion. Right? And that's the word that's used. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, it's to be moved as to uh, one's bowels. Is deep movement. Uh, to be moved with compassion. Like he, he really felt like, oh! man, like he couldn't walk by because he felt this compassion. But this isn't a noun. It's a verb. To be moved. It's not just a feeling. It's an action. All right? And that's the hinge of the story. That, uh, <clears throat> you know, we can't say that the priests and Levites didn't have feeling. Because it doesn't say that in Scripture. <clears throat> Biblical compassion entails action, okay? It means you have to take time to do something. And I'm guilty of this one. I really am, you know? Although the only thing is, like, when I'm driving down the road and someone's got a, and their car's broke down, all I could do is stop and say, your car's broke down. <laughs> Maybe I could give them a ride. I can't fix a car, okay? I don't know how to fix a car. I was like... Don't you have road service? <laughs> That's what I do. This is $69 a year. <laughs> That's really cheap. Don't come and tow your car. Okay? Um, 
<laughs> I'd get out and teach them. <laughs> but if someone was hurt, you know, if someone was bleeding, uh, I, you know, I'm sure I'd stop, even if I was on the way to church. Uh, I hope I would. My goodness. <clears throat> the biblical compassion means that there's action. And listen, we all have uh, this uh, opportunities of this in our lives. You know, were the priests and the Levites just too busy? Are we just busy? We see need every day. I don't know uh, how much you see it around here, but it's pretty hard in our world. Now, even in, in America, which is the most prosperous nation on the world, okay? our poor people are rich compared to the normal people that live in most of the world. And until you've seen it, you can't believe it, but I've seen it. Uh, and I haven't even seen the worst places. I've only seen the mediocre places. And so, but there are genuine needs uh, that people have. And this is why we are like purposely kind of shifting a little bit of our focus to say, let's find ways to make, to meet genuine needs in our community. Um, by giving away food and by finding different avenues. But it's going to take time. And yeah, you're busy. But uh, compassion, biblically, means to take time to meet someone else's need. Um, all right, one more story. <clears throat> How many can maybe guess what this is? I'm sorry, what? Moses and the burning bush. You got it. I think it looked like that. Um, <clears throat> there was that one cartoon movie, The Prince of Egypt, and they did a great job. That scene is anointed. The way that they depict that scene. If you haven't watched it, it was probably an old movie now, 20 years old. Um, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Moses, in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. All right? And so the idea is, you know, this is kind of a desert region, and they do have lightning uh, storms, and it could have sparked a fire, or different things could have sparked a fire. And, and so it's almost as though it's not that big of a deal that there was a fire over there. Maybe someone was trying to just get rid of the bush and put it on fire. But it didn't, it didn't go out. So even that meant he, he stopped and was watching it. Oh, there's a fire over there. That's interesting. That fire's burning a long time. If that was a regular bush, that fire would be out by now. He wasn't in a hurry going somewhere. <clears throat> and Moses said, I think I'm going to go check this out. What is this? Why the bush is not burned? And when he made that decision, see, he didn't know it was God. He didn't know there was anything significant about it. He just took a few minutes, took a while, and said, I need to check that out. Listen, God works. This is in the Bible for a reason. This teaches us how God works. Okay? And God does stuff like this. It's not that God did stuff like this. It's God does stuff like this. So what burning bush in your life have you seen but not stopped and investigated? 
Or what burning bush is going to happen this week that is going to be an opportunity for you to hear God's voice or to drive by? Right? And you need to be looking for it. And sometimes you're going to think, it's this, is this God? And you're going to find out, no. It was just a tree that fell over. You know, or it was just an animal in my attic. <laughs> is that the sound? Is that the voice of God? No, it's a raccoon in the attic. <laughs> you know? But you know what? Sometimes God can use that. Sometimes it's going to be God. Um, and learning to the discern, it, but having the willingness to take the time. And it was when he took the time to turn uh, that the Lord saw that he turned. He saw that he turned aside the sea, and that led to God. Can you imagine the difference of Moses' life, the difference of humanity, the difference of the Bible? If Moses had said, I got sheep to take care of, I'm hungry. That stupid bush, who cares? You know, think about it. All that God used Moses to do hinged on Moses being willing to give his attention. And then God said, Moses. And Moses was like, here I am. <laughs> like, what's up? So take time to be interrupted. Moses is about to begin the most intimate relationship with God of anyone up until that point in the biblical story. All right? I don't know if you know this, you haven't studied it, but Moses is the first person to hear God's name, I am, Jehovah, Yahweh. All right? And that means Abraham never heard that. I know. Abraham. God told Moses stuff that even Abraham didn't know. And then God took Moses up on the mountains time with him. Uh, Moses is about to have his identity changed. Right? The inward journey, he was going to be transformed. This is the identity that would be challenged. He was raised in Pharaoh's court. <clears throat> uh, uh, had to flee uh, for his life. And now he's living in the wilderness, uh, taking care of uh, uh, sheep. But God was going to speak into him his, affirm, uh, his identity that had been in limbo for 40 years. Moses is about to be empowered by God and assured of his help. He's going to be uh, called into a ministry and a position greater than anyone, a prophet and a leader. Uh, that The Bible actually says that, that, uh, that there's a prophecy that God would send someone uh, like Moses. And you know who that someone was? Jesus. Okay? So Moses is a figure in the Old Testament that is a type or a symbol uh, 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 called Moses to be a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ himself. Um, all as a result of his, Moses taking the time to turn aside and investigate a strange bush. <clears throat> and so I challenge you uh, to take time. Uh, and I don't know this guy, Dr. Swenson, <laughs> Anthony could tell you who he is. Probably wrote a book. He might be a teacher at, at Anthony School. But the clock and Christ are not friends. Uh, I don't know. God invented time. <laughs> but that idea is true. You know, if you're living by the clock, uh, Christ requires us to get alone. Christ requires us to listen. 
Christ requires us to care, to take time to care. Christ uh, requires us to take time to be interrupted. Um, everyone gets 168 hours a week. Did you know that? <clears throat> uh, regardless of what Einstein said, time is not relative. <laughs> Everybody gets the same. Well, in the sense that he said it, it, it is. <clears throat> if you're a planet. <laughs> you get 168 hours a week. You get 168 hours a week. You get 168 hours a week. I get 168 hours a week. President Trump gets 168 hours a week. All right? All right? Bill Gates gets 168 hours a week. Everybody gets the same amount of time. Right? 50 hours for work. You know the average work week in America? Guess what it is? I just read this a few, a few days ago. The average amount of time people actually are clocked in is 33 hours. 33. Everybody thinks they work 40 hours. Most people don't. <clears throat> right? I just, I, I just listened to a, a, a secular teaching on, on time management just a few days ago. And uh, a lot of people think they work 70 hours a week. This, right? And they, they track this. This is her job. This lady was a speaker, and she was like, my job is to track time management. And she said uh, the people who, who estimate that they work between 50 and 70 hours a week overestimate by about 25 hours. No, this is this is a this is this is a person who writes books on time management and yeah, they probably has a doctorate degree and and this kind of stuff. So they've done intensive studies of measuring time uh, use, and so <clears throat> people overestimate. Uh, but I say when I talk to young people, I'm like, you need to work 50 hours a week. You know, uh, it's, that's how. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I challenge you. And you know, if you can get by on 30 hours a week, you know, different people are different, but I, you know, it, it, generally, to get ahead in life, you need to work 40 hours a week. But then, and then I factor in 70 hours for sleep. I like sleep. <laughs> Most of the, I can take a quick shower if I can get a little more sleep. <laughs> but 70 hours, you know, that's 10 hours a day for, you know, sleep, eat, take a shower. You know, that's pretty, that's pretty liberal, isn't it? Yeah. You have 48 hours left. You could have another full-time job and still have eight hours left. Yeah. What do you do at that time? And if you're only working 30 or 40 hours a week, then you have 10 hours a week. So that means you're putting in a couple hours a day, a couple hours a day doing dishes, vacuuming, doing laundry. <laughs> Making dinner. That's, I think that's part of the 70 hours. But uh, The fact is we have, and this is the, la the lady that's been talking, I'm going to finish up here because we're running out of, <laughs> I can feel time talking. Um, but she, she gave the example. It was non-Christian, no bit of Bible verses, nothing about Jesus. She, she was studying this executive. It's a woman executive. She had five, six kids, I think. 
uh, and the husband was out of town, <clears throat> ran a, a large business, extremely busy person, and she woke up one morning and her basement was flooded because the water heater had a leak. Everybody has that problem, right, eventually? And uh, you can't ignore a flooded basement. And so, and she, because she happened to be part of a study that this woman was doing, every hour of her day was tracked. Uh, she was a part of her study. And it turned out in that week, she actually took seven hours of time to call the repair guy, schedule the, the person to come in and do the water damage thing and the insurance thing and all that. She had seven hours in one week. But she said, if you had asked her the day before that happened, would you be able to commit seven hours to anything this next week? She would say, absolutely no. Are you kidding? I'm running a business. I have six kids. I was out of town. I am completely packed. But she was able to make, to create, to take, take seven hours because she couldn't ignore. The water heater is not working. We need that water and we have a flood. All right? And so she said, everybody that asked her to come and speak about time management wants to know a trick. And she's a little like, you know, how you can squeeze something into what you're already doing. She said, those tricks don't work. So what it is is priority. Okay, if you want to, if you want to take time, if you want to get something done, you, you want something in your life that's not current, that you don't have time to, make it a higher priority. Treat that thing like the water heater. I can't put this off. If the priority is Jesus, I can't put off time with Jesus. If the priority is rest, I can't put off time of rest. That the priority is meeting someone's need, even though they're different than me. I can't put that off because it's like the water heater that's flooded. You've got to take time. Right? And so it's, and I love that conclusion. It's really about what is your priority. You want to judge what you prioritize in life. There's really two things, that, there's only two ways you can do that not what you think, not what you feel. It's what you take time to do and how you spend your money. Those are the ways. You evaluate what's most important to me. So let's go to the Lord and ask for help. How many need help in this area? Right? <clears throat> I'm as guilty as this as anybody in the room because I'm a busy person. And I've more and more realized that that is an ungodly truth. Being under Satan's yoke. Good word. So, Lord, we renounce the ungodly belief, something we think is true, we feel is true, but ultimately it's not true. That we don't have time. That we don't have time to listen to you. That we don't have time to rest that we don't have time to care for others, or that we don't have time to be interrupted by you. We just renounce all of those lies and that yoke of the enemy. And we believe that, Jesus, you said that if we take your yoke upon us, it would be light and it would be easy.
because you carry the weight of it. And Lord, we just surrender our time. Just say out loud. Say, I surrender my time to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. The thing is, is that if you surrender your time to God, God can get more done through you in less time because you're surrendered to Him, just like your money and everything else, your life. All right. Amen. God bless you. Uh, We have our prayer team available to minister to you. Otherwise, stand up. Be dismissed. There's lots of...